Hello, my friends, and welcome to Backable. Today, TK is joined by Squadcast founders Zachariah Marino and Rockwell Felder, whose innovative product is fast becoming the industry standard to record podcasts remotely in the best sound and video quality possible. They share with us their journey from successful careers in the corporate world to first-time founders in a fast-moving startup and the role their friendship played in both getting them there and keeping them there. They talk about the importance they place on walking in their client's shoes and the feedback loop they have with their customers. And finally, they talk about the true value that they both give and receive from their advisory board and investors, which has nothing to do with money. Welcome, Zach Rock, to um, Backable, and we're very, very lucky because we've got the guys who founded Squadcast that are building a brilliant company, but as well as that, one that we would endorse to every person who would listen at the moment. It is made growing our podcast much simpler. It's it's allowed us to connect with people all over the world without any issues. So for all of you out there in our community listening, click on the Squadcast now and just don't even think use it, and then get back to the guys and thank them. Welcome, Zach. Welcome, Rock. And it's great to have you here. Thank you. We're really happy to be here. Maybe if you don't mind starting for our listeners, you guys are on an amazing trajectory, but do you think you could give us a little bit around how did we end up here? Were you entrepreneurs to start with? Because I know you've got a diverse background, but maybe take our listeners through in your words of how have you both ended up in this place? It's a good question. I mean, Rock and I are are really good friends and go go pretty far back to when we were in high school together. And our careers kind of went in different directions but reconnected around this opportunity to work on Squadcast because our skills are very complementary and kind of symbiotic to, to one another. So I went into art school and graphic design and fine arts and technology and software engineering. And Rock went in the direction of like finance and business and um, worked with some really, really great companies in that experience. But to answer your question... Rock introduced me as a listener to podcasting, and then uh, I fell in love with the medium to to really go deep and learn a lot on topics very quickly. Mm. And a few years later, wanted to do a creative side project that involved uh, collaborating remotely on a science fiction audio drama. The catch was it was a remote collaborate a remote production team, right? And that's really where we found this this challenge of quality with remote interviews. Yeah. And uh, and saw that as as an opportunity to to really help build something new with remote content production. That must have been quite a um, an interesting time. I mean, going from that sort of background to go, hey, we're going to solve this problem. It's extremely entrepreneurial. Yeah, I guess in hindsight, yeah, it's a bit audacious. <laughs> uh, a bit. Um, there's probably a lot of words that describe it. You know, to to be frank, I'm I'm a first time founder. There's not really a track record of entrepreneurs in my family. Um, I think Rock, me, and you both were some of the some of the earliest people in our families to even go to college and get a degree. And I think everybody was like, "Oh, Zach made it. Rock made it at that point." And it's like, "Well, we're just getting started." And you know, the I think um, you know from a lot of our conversations, like. We have we have a similar trajectory of like you know we weren't really satisfied with uh, with kind of the the typical plan the typical like nine to five you know married house kid all that stuff we both experienced a lot of success early on in our careers mm-hmm. and um, and you know had had by some definitions kind of made it at, at that point but I don't think that was necessarily satisfying to either of us so had talked before Squadcast about 
some different ideas for like startups or some of them weren't even necessarily technology related, but just trying to look at opportunities to build something new. And that's really what became clear with the working on the, the science fiction audio drama was that this opportunity existed. It wasn't just a problem or a challenge that, that we faced and nobody was really happy with uh, or satisfied with the state of the art when it came to the technology. So we did a lot of research, kept trying to prove ourselves wrong and just came up empty handed for, uh, for a solution that actually gave us both the ability to collaborate on quality content remotely. That was also fairly easy to use, you know, where, where we could uh, be productive. So that's really where we pivoted from the podcast to uh, looking into and validating this idea of a technology platform that could be something something new for people. Yeah, I mean, in that is, like, I guess, everything. You, you almost say it in a flippant way. Oh, we just we just pivoted from a podcast to a tech company. Yeah, real easy there, Zach. Real <laughs> easy pivot, right? And I'm sure Rock's got something. Yeah, you know, we, we jumped off the ground. Then we decided to build a plane. Yeah, I get it, right? <laughs> but it's, a, it's <laughs> yeah. an incredible thought process to even try and solve that problem. But before we jump back there, Rock, so you had a background in finance. How did you take yourself out of the finance world and, and get into this startup world? Yeah, well, I'd always been interested in business and uh, I thought accounting was a great way to kind of get myself acclimated and and introduced to the business world. And like Zach said, it was a company that I got exposed to a lot of different companies, a lot of different investors or executives rather and and founders. And I'd always been interested in entrepreneurship and being a, a leader, a business, someone starting a business from the ground up, not because I wanted to be a boss and tell everybody else what to do, but because I wanted to be a part of something that where my contributions mattered. And there was like this, I really like the team effort of a, of a podcast that everyone has their role, their position to play, but together we create something truly unique and special. So for me, um, like Zach said, we had gone our own separate career paths and by all accounts, it was very successful. Um, we're starting to be successful. I was still pretty early in my career, but all things were going really well. But I just felt like something was missing. I wanted to do something more creative, something more independent, and just had been fascinated by entrepreneurs that I got exposed to and just was tired of being on the sidelines and wanted to prepare myself to make the jump into something like that. Yeah. So when Zach approached me about Squadcast, it wasn't the first time he had approached me about some uh, to use his words, audacious or uh, <laughs> ambitious, perhaps is even better idea. But it was the first time that he was like, I need help to do this. And I would like you to help me do this. And I was like, holy cow, Like I've been waiting to prepare to make, some, make a jump like this. I was preparing myself mentally, financially, like just really looking for that opportunity, but had nowhere, I yeah. had no idea where I was going to actually go. So the fact that it was like based in podcasting, also this intersection of podcasting and, and empowering creators, but like doing it remotely just made a lot of sense to me. Zach and I, I think we're very fortunate to both work remotely or work from home or at least mm-hmm. have exposure to that in our previous careers. So that to both of us, it wasn't that crazy of a step. It was inevitable that more folks would be continuing to create and collaborate in that manner. We saw ourselves really riding the wave of not just remote work, but also that intersection of podcasting growing as a medium. Because even back in 2016, which wasn't that long ago, but for podcasting, it kind of was yeah. because really the the podcasting has really grown substantially in popularity and awareness in the last two years, which we're grateful has happened. But even in 2016, folks were like still asking, what was a podcast? I mean, that joke, it used to be a joke of like, well, what's a podcast? But everyone had it on their phones. And these are supposedly people that would identify themselves as like tech savvy and whatnot. Yeah. So that always blew my mind and just was like, okay, this is this is going to be inevitable too. Like the medium of podcasting is so powerful. 
it, it's it's inevitable that more folks will not only just want to uh, listen to it, but also want to create it. And so that's why to us back in 2016, Squadcast was kind of a, a no brainer. It was really more so like, where do we fit in? How do we make ourselves different? Will folks be willing to pay? Is this something that we're going to be able to dedicate the next eight to 10 plus years of our lives into and leave these nice cushy jobs that we had? And um, I'm, I'm really glad that we never look back. I think the thing that Zach and I's relationship is a big part of why this works. It's rooted in in friendship and loyalty and trust, but also there's this like we just have a tremendous amount of ambition and mutual respect for each other. I understand what he's really good at and it's I'm grateful of that because it's stuff that I could never do and I think he feels the same way about me and so we just kind of has really been a great experience overall. I, I couldn't imagine doing it without a partner. So, so when he asked me that time, it was, it, and the fact that we've never looked back, it feels extremely serendipitous, and I'm grateful to be here. It's a weird thing, Rocker. I'm lucky enough, and you know why, why we launched our podcast is completely egocentric. I just enjoy talking to entrepreneurs, right? It's actually we, there's no commercial side That's to fair. it. We've got our company, and so to be honest with you, this is self indulgent. <laughs> but the thing that I was going to say is, I get to see a lot of business owners and I've met people that are starting out, met billionaires, all that sort of stuff and everything in between. The one thing that's striking about you guys already is, you know, you meet sometimes you meet people who have got a great marriage. <laughs> you just you meet them and you know straight away we'd all want something like that in our life. This already feels like a unique partnership with total respect and understanding. I mean, and excuse my ignorance, but you're relatively young for entrepreneurs in your first real venture. I mean, has that always been an easy thing? I mean, being friends and running into business? Because the general consensus is never get into business with friends. My group of companies is run with my wife. We love it. We think it's a superpower, but it seems you guys have got something very similar. Yeah. I mean, we definitely had that conversation or had those thoughts. I mean, certainly other folks have kind of floated that idea of like, well, what what do you think it's going to be like to work with with your friend? But uh, I think for me, I always knew Zach was an extremely ambitious person and he would set these goals that maybe at the time sounded kind of wild and audacious, but he would continuously uh, achieve them. So (laughs) at a certain point, you don't bet against that person anymore. And I'd like to (laughs) fancy myself as someone else. I might be not as like expressive about it the way Zach does. Zach does a great job of like, and that's what I think makes him such a great CEO. He's, he's got a, he's, a visionary type of person and he's great at communicating it where I do that same type of exercise, but I do it more internally. And so I think like for me, I never doubted that like Zach was going to be able to accomplish this. It was more so like, am I going to be able to keep up? Am I going to be a a good partner for him? Because to me, I felt like I was always the oddball. I'm not from a tech background. I'm not uh, a content creator. Never saw myself as a Mm. creative person. At least back then. Now I see how business for me is my creative arena, and there's you know it's it's almost one of the most inc- creative endeavors one can can take because there's like Agreed. there's best practices and there's rules so to speak, yeah. but it's almost like there are no rules at the same time. It, you know, the, it's really yeah. on your imagination. To me though, like I already knew that he was good at what he was good at, but I've only continued to see it more and more. And so I feel like, you know, to to use the relationship analogy, like it continues to get stronger because like more pressure and more demands are are put upon both of us. And it's forced us to work more in tandem together. It's focus it's helped us communicate to each other even better now. I, I don't know. I'm just grateful for it because I don't know any other way, but I couldn't imagine like not having a partner in this. Like because it could be an extremely lonely game. Yeah. It is a lonely game, even with a, a business partner. So I can only imagine going about it alone. But um 
I didn't know it would be this good, to be honest, yeah. uh, when we first started. And it continues to get better, if that answers your question. And I'm sure Zach has some great takes on it too. Yeah, Zach, I'd, I'd be really interesting. I mean, initially, obviously, approaching Rock, wanting a business partner. What was it about you being a visionary guy? Why did you know you needed a business partner? Because a lot of go the other way. They just want to isolate themselves, have all the big ideas. And you know, there's, that's a really nice balance you must have. I think it is. Yeah. And I, like Rock, my only real concern wasn't with him. It was that would I be able to keep up and <laughs> would I be able to evolve? And you know, we, we never really talked about that until somewhat recently that we were both kind of thinking a similar kind of anxiety. And it's never really come true. So that, that's really awesome. But I had a list of one, you know, Rock as, as potential co-founders. I probably wouldn't have done this as a solo founder. And still, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect anytime I meet a solo founder um, because it, <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. Uh, it, it's, it's a lot. So respect if you're out there as a solo founder. And I think of it as like, we have experienced a lot now together. And I think that's why things have, uh, have only continued to, uh, to, to be great. I ultimately, you know, wasn't too worried about it. I was more so like, what are the skills that I don't have? What are the skills that Rock have that I don't? And I knew he didn't have the skills that I have. I also knew that this was very quickly, you know, it went from, uh, this is a problem, maybe we could solve it to, wow, other people probably have this problem to, this should probably be a product. And I knew enough to know what I didn't know and what I hadn't done before. So that's really where, um, you know, I knew Rock had been studying similar things like looking for opportunities. Um, we had talked uh, about, you know, what it would take kind of hypothetically for some of these things. It's, it's really tough, though. I got to I got to say, like, when you're reading these books that give like startup advice or, you know, MVP this or design <laughs> process that or funding, and it's all very hypothetical if you're not yeah. in the role. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people, it could be easy to get stuck in that kind of hypothetical and not have kind of a venue to express uh, the creativity to use your analogy, Rock. What's great about our partnership is that we both uh, really practice learning on an ongoing basis. And the, the beautiful thing is we have, this, we have this arena, we have this venue to express that uh, new knowledge that we're picking up as we go on a day-to-day -day basis, like sometimes the same day and I think that that's something that we we both do and um, in in different ways. So it's like I didn't know anything about forming a business or fundraising or self funding or like uh, advisor boards or any of these things. And 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 Rock did, you know, uh, to some degree at least, like some degree more than me. a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> or at least you could trust I, him to find the answers, right? <laughs> exactly, right. that's right. totally true. I came from a background of working in government and creative projects, and um, I, I always, you know, saw it as my personal mission to help creatives express themselves, to to connect creatives, and that's really where uh, Squadcast is a kind of a manifestation of that, like a um, an expression of that. And what I love is that we get to create Squadcast, and Squadcast helps people be creative and express themselves, and. And then you add in collaboration with other people and you get this element of improv to it and it, 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 uh, it goes in directions like unexpected ways. So I think the more creativity in the world, uh, the better. And, and it's just really an honor that we get to help so many people express themselves. I mean, I don't know if you even have a time, both of you, to think about it, but the, the magnitude of what you're 
business is allowing people to do. I mean, I use an Australian expression. I, I don't want to piss in your pocket, like give you a compliment. <laughs> I got to remember that one. I was thinking about it when sort of our pre-show and was thinking that would you ever truly understand the impact of being able to just provide something that allows these millions of people to record their knowledge or experience for eternity? I mean, to me that it just sat there and I was like, it was almost overwhelming and I got nothing to do with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it must you must feel very proud about that. We do. Yeah. And it, it blows our mind. It's surreal, you know, um, and the sense of scale like uh, is is tremendous, like the the impact. So that's what I think all we could really hope for in, in a job that we love, um, mm-hmm. in the work that we, we love to do is that we can help other people be successful and express themselves. And we get to live that every day. So at a minimum, like even if our business was standing still, which thankfully it's not, or any of the other challenges that can arise, we're still helping people uh, succeed. And I I love that. When did you know you had something? I understand the research and you, you did all the gap analysis, but it sounded like there was a general feel that this is something we're missing. Let's see if we can find it. No, but when did you really know that Squadcast was a thing? I think it's come a, cu- a couple different points throughout our journey so far. So uh, I'll go with my first one and then I'm sure Zach can fill in some other moments. But I think for me, being the financial focused individual that I am, when the business started to have enough customers and enough revenue that it was funding itself, <laughs> because Zach and I started this as a weekend and and side project while still holding down full-time jobs, you know, we we kind of de-risked it to the point that we could jump into it full-time. Yeah. That was in, in around uh, the summer of 2018 was when we did make that decision to jump on to Squadcast full-time. So to me, I think that was like a, a big point of like, okay, this is something, this is working because it was uh, before we actually made that decision to jump, it was like the, we had too many customers depending on us, their shows were depending on us. So I think to me, it was like, okay, this is something real because people are depending on us. They you know need Squadcast to work so that they can record their shows and it's a big deal. A podcast is an extremely... We, we take that very seriously. We take people's time seriously. And so us needing to be working on it full time so that we can take care of our customers and continue to delight them that the way that they that we want to, I think that was a big moment for me. Uh, there's so many others, I'm sure, but um, that's one of the ones that comes to mind. How did day one feel rock when you were full time on it? I mean, because uh, I think we've all had that experience in companies where we've, I don't want to say bootstrapped, but we've de-risked as much as we can. And then you get to that day one. I remember I quit a really good job once upon a time because I've only ever worked for three months in my life for someone else. Nice. And it was for a property development company. And I was sitting there and I was at my desk and I was like, I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> That's a big problem. I can be here for 20 years. So I walked up to my director and said, sorry, man, I got to go. This is too good a job and I'll never do what I want. I'll make too much money. And I left and I wow. got into the lift and I nearly threw up on myself. <laughs> I started dry reaching like, what have I done? And I'm like, I know this is not my future, even though it would be a brilliant future. <laughs> Wow, that's an incredible story. That uh, the first day for me, I just uh, I had this like anxiety, this like I need to be doing something yeah. every day. But like we had still <laughs> like had yet to build up a workflow, yeah. a pipeline. So I think I think we maybe had like a few meetings scheduled. So that was always really exciting, like having a meeting with somebody that yeah. was going to get to show Squadcast to. But just you know, just 
not having to do the other job was quite a relief. (laughs) So it it was a, it was an awesome day, but I just felt like I need to be busier. I need to be doing something like we're not making money yet. Cause that's, that's another part of it. When we jumped into it full time, that was without salaries. We went about uh, one to two years without, well, about one to one and a half years without a salary. And, and so that was extremely nerve wracking, but, uh, but I, so that's why I think I just felt like, oh, I needed to be doing something. I need, yeah. you know, how am I making money for the company so that we can make money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there was, you know, it was still very early days in that process of building our, our reputation, our brand, the relationships, but that's what we did. We just got started and kind of been doing the same thing every, ever since more that, or less. That cash burn period is, it really plays with your mind sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, we've all gone through it. I mean, I've got companies Absolutely. now that are still self-funded and even when you've got investment, I still take it personally. I don't see investors' money as theirs. I see it as my responsibility. So I don't want to lose a dollar on sure. it. And I just, I'm sure you guys have a similar feeling, which is when you're going through that cash burn, it, it, it sort of plays with your mind a little bit. Yeah, it absolutely did. Thankfully, we both have support systems that allowed us to take this jump and have a little bit of a safety yep. net. But I mean, still, it's still, we were on a, we were on a, a clock, you know, we were on the clock and we had to make stuff happen in a relatively short period of time with a lot of uncertainty surrounding us. So it was extremely nerve wracking for sure. And Zach, was that, was it similar to you when you knew you sort of had something and, and you were pushing through? How was your journey during that period? For me, it was like, the technology was giving people better results, like that we were actually able to to deliver something meaningfully different and better. And hearing that from, you know, people very much our senior who have more awareness of everything that's come before than we did at the time, telling us that this is better, this is different, this is kind of magical. Yeah. And then kind of staring at it and being like, well, how? Like, how are you doing that? And it's like, ah, yes, that's that was the big moment for me where it was like, okay, that's that's what innovation is supposed to like feel like and come to life as. And to bring that full circle, you know, the, to we were high, also highly skeptical of like the patent process and to have uh to have two patents pending now that's that's something that i'm tremendously proud of that Amazing. um you know i think just continues to solidify uh the big moments in this journey yeah not not only having patents but the process of getting a patent is i think it's, <laughs> it's just a, you know it's a celebration in itself where we're dealing with a couple at the moment and it is just it's a different world nice. isn't it you're just sitting in the the world of lawyers and words and oh man it's just <laughs> i appreciate that empathy and uh yeah yeah it's it's something that we're just like well we have to try, you know, we'd be yeah. remiss not to try. And I think that's a common theme in this journey is like, you know, the opportunity cost always seemed higher than whatever the cost was of the day to not give it a try to not try to build something new seemed kind of like we we're doing a disservice to to creators. So to have the opportunity to to not just avoid that, but also actually uh, build something cool for people that helps them build their show and their audience and all of those things is just a uh, you know, I, I love podcasting before being a founder in this space and to have played, you know, any kind of role in helping with the evolution of podcasting and, and the, the quality moving the needle there is just really, really cool on many levels for me. Zach, do you think it's important to understand the pain of your customers? Do you think that's been a, a big advantage for you guys is really tasting that pain of what they're going through to be able to, I guess, guide the business to where it is now? I think so, yeah, tremendously. And and we have a, a really, you know, core principle in our in our company's culture of listening. So even as we develop the product, like we of course record on Squadcast like every day, sometimes, you know, many times a day or 
Mm. We're, we're on the platform, like living it as well with yeah. all of the creatives that we serve. So that's a big part of it. But then also this emphasis on listening, I think is a really key competency for us. And it's also like a gift that not every company in every industry has. It's a feature of podcasting. I see it anyway. We see it that podcasters speak for a living and they're very eloquent in telling us what they what they want from the technology that they use. Hmm. And that's not something that exists in like long haul trucking or <laughs> um, you know, the restaurant industry or any pick any other industry, right? Yeah. Like we have this tremendous, this tremendous benefit of people speaking for a living. So our focus is on on being very strong listeners and uh and and trying to not just directly take what people tell us and 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 build that direction because that can lead you down a bunch of weird paths of like not being focused either. Mm. But we listen and we kind of debrief and we try to synthesize uh, along kind of mix that up with what we've learned where we think things are going where we see opportunities within technology or within the space and try to create this kind of amalgam of of that and that's really what informs uh, the work that we do i find that really quite fascinating and particularly the role of values that they must evolve as you're getting bigger as a company or you you're serving more people has that become uh, i guess a higher priority as as for the both of you as leaders now really enforcing value i found when i'm in sort of smaller companies i mean i think a lot of the books tell you, you got to get your values right for me until you sort of got five or six people we just got to make sure we survive the next day right it's that that whole thing but then mm-hmm. there, there hits a tipping point where hey if you don't have good values you're not going to attract the right people you're not going to do that has that become a more prevalent thing for both of you in your leadership roles now? Absolutely. And I think also just being around for four years, now we've got to develop what we, what kind of culture or what kind of example we want to set for the rest of the company. And that's both of our leadership styles is lead by example. And so, yeah, our, in even our hiring process, which is something that 2021 is going to be a huge focus for Zach and I as, as founders and the leaders of the company is just hiring more folks to help us uh, grow the business and, and kind of accelerate in the way that we, that we want to. And a, a core part of that hiring process is just figuring out the individual's personality or their, yeah. if they're a culture fit before we even assess their skills. Because if they don't want to work here or we don't want to work with them, um, or if it's not the right fit for them or vice versa, like... What's the point of assessing how good of a software engineer they are, or how good of a marketer they are? It's just it's it's not going to fit. So that's absolutely a core part of our hiring process is to assess if it is the right fit, if if they are going to fit in or or help us grow in the way that we want to grow. And a lot of that is through culture and and expanding upon kind of having a high high level understanding of what we want. But obviously, the more people that we add, that continues to make changes as well. And so that's why it's like you can only control culture so much, but we definitely want to set the tone. It's a great way of putting it, Rock, just that setting the tone thing. I mean, I think there's so much written about this that it's probably misunderstood. And Zach, going on what you were saying, unless you're experiencing it, the context of a lot of those lessons is completely lost. It's not a theory. It's a feeling. Right. Right. Absolutely. And we're a remote first team. You know, we've always been remote. So that's a huge element to it that like we do value and, you know, try to find ways to get together in person and collaborate when that's possible. But for the vast majority of the time, you know, we need to be very effective communicators because we minimize meetings like we're big fans of Basecamp and their approach to, to minimal meetings. And, you know, our, our weekly meeting happens on Monday morning and it's called tone setting and it's to set the tone for the week. And that's kind of the as as minimal as it needs to be. We, we have other meetings, of course, but we try to really maximize the autonomy and we see leadership as kind of a foundation, not a top down, like telling other people what to do. 
we view it as more like empowering people to have this this latitude to really succeed in new ways that we couldn't even necessarily think through or imagine. Seeing that play out as the team grows is is really really tremendous. So I'm very proud of the way that the the team has grown and seeing other people develop their their leadership skills. I think is like it's like meta leadership. It's crazy. I I, I love it. Obviously, you guys have put a strong team around you, which for a young company, you know, we're already talking four years, which is, it must feel like a lifetime, but it's it's a new company. It's still a baby. And from who you've put together, can you talk about the role of advisory? Because I think you guys have gone early in, in a really smart way as an observer. Can you maybe talk about the philosophy on when you felt it was right to bring people around you or the reasoning behind that? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of counterintuitive. Like we wanted to do this experiment uh, to see how far we could make it with self-funding and bootstrapping the company. That experiment is ongoing and we're incredibly grateful for that and what it affords, the independence that it affords us. But uh, we learned pretty early on that fundraising and venture capital is not just capital. It's often called smart money. People tend to focus on the money, but we focused on the smart. And that is something that it can be kind of nuanced and easy to overlook. So because we, when it became clear that our experiment was going to at least continue for some time into the future, we realized there, there's a risk here of missing out on the knowledge and the wisdom and the experience of those who have been in our role before. And we weren't eager to do that. We wanted to learn. Uh, we're, Rock and I are very much students of founders, students of startups, students of technology, students of SaaS, like all of these things. And we knew enough to know that we didn't know a lot about how to to scale a business because everybody's chasing, you know, in the early days of a startup, like looking for product market fit. And I think that it can be really easy to just kind of reach product market fit and then be like, oh, well, now I need to figure out how to scale. So that can be uh, that can be you know counterintuitive as well. So we wanted to really find people with like that level of intelligence, that level of experience that um, that we didn't have, quite frankly, and still don't in a lot of ways. But to have uh, you know very qualified, talented individuals who are more advanced in their careers, who have seen some of these patterns and done some of these audacious big things in their careers, that have worked with other very talented startups. I, I think that's more so where we were coming from. Was like, okay, well, we we don't want to make that sacrifice that might be kind of implicit if we don't raise uh, venture capital anytime soon. So that's really where our our advisory board first started to come from. Also, I got to give credit where it's due. Our, our founding advisor, Harry Duran, host of Podcast Junkies and founder of Fullcast, he has such an amazing amount of impact on the experience and the product uh, that we use uh, every day at Squadcast. Like Progressive Upload was Harry's idea. There's so there's so many ideas that I think can get tracked back to you know Harry reminding us to uh, not lose sight of. Uh, focus to, to really minimize distractions. And he set a great example of what an advisor's impact and contribution could be, and also what our contribution could be for them. Mm. Like that's the other way is that we look at this is that it's got to be a win win or it doesn't make sense in, in the long term. So we also focus on lifting them up and trying to do what we can to propel them and whatever their focus is forward. 
Uh, that's at least how I remember us kind of thinking about it. And then, yeah, just some of the advisors that we have the opportunity to work with is just, um, I think when we, when we first touched base with uh, Jordan Harbinger, we were like getting off of a plane and I was just like, I could not believe who this email had come from, you know, and it took us like a half an hour just to even like get over that, let alone like read the email and consider it and whatever. So thank you, Jordan, if you're listening. <laughs> it's it's an interesting one. I think a lot of people who are seeking investment don't understand and, and you guys only knowing you for a short time, it's blatantly obvious that you're actually providing a money can't buy experience for a lot of these investors and people like that. Because even when I'm involved in things like this, you, you actually want to be part of that rush. You know, the thing you guys are going through, it's you, you've created something that you literally can't force and buy. You have to find it. You have to align with it. And, you know, it's those tastes of just getting those periods of when things are fun. <laughs> and I know some of the some senior guys that we work with and some of the sort of heavy hitters around investment, that's part of it for them now because it's not really the money anymore. They've got past that moment where the money's not going to matter, but actually being part of that team and feeling that, you know, the adrenaline that you guys have got, I'm sure at the moment is, it's literally money can't buy experiences you're providing for their investment, which I, I just think is wonderful and underestimated by a lot of young entrepreneurs is you've actually got something really special because it's hard to find. Well, thank you for saying that. And that's something yeah, that I think we you. don't even th talk and think about enough is like trying to make the journey fun for them and let them understand and see how much of a part of something they are. And that's the beauty of a startup is like, again, your, your impact, that your contributions actually do matter in a meaningful way is... Um, what makes this experience so so worth it, even amidst all this uncertainty and you know just uh, a lot of a lot of stress and and time that goes into this stuff? But you're absolutely right; like it's so much fun, and I think that's one thing that we didn't intentionally do, but I think it just has worked out that way, fortunately for us. And we just have been following our gut in a lot of ways. Like we do a lot of educating ourselves and trying to become professional SaaS founders, but at the end of the day, it's also informed by our guts. So that's that's good to hear that we're on the that path, TK. Because oh, again, I don't think we emphasize fun enough. Yeah, I know. You, it's one of those things that I think the humility and understanding the excitement, and we just get exposed to this all the time. Like everyone wants money, everyone wants a shot. It was actually an experience my wife and I had. We never found it hard to find money because we generally think we're pretty normal people. We we're the same thing. We've got a lifelong learning ambition. And one of the investors said something to us that we didn't realize at the time is the reason you're finding it easy, which I'm sure you guys are, is people want to work with you because there's a that balance of humility. And at the end of the day, even if they got it wrong and you're the wrong people from a business point of view, where else would you want your money sitting? With people that are actually, mm. they're treating it like a journey. They're treating it like this is not a, hey, let's quickly make $100 million and buy 10 Ferraris. Not that I've got anything against that, but it's that whole idea of that idea that we're evolving the thinking, we're evolving the world, we're pushing something forward in our lifetime. I just, I'd imagine people are beating your door down. Okay. And if they're not, please send a, an email. I'll come and beat your door down because it's, it's an incredible. <laughs> uh, it's, but it's really wonderful to meet guys like you. Obviously, we're, we're new friends, but it's, it's this understanding I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't understand is you don't need to be shouting from the rooftop how good you are. You don't need to be doing this. People who've got real money respect the person and understand their journey. I'm sure you're getting the same type of energy on your board now, which is it's a good board, right? Because everyone gets the game we're playing. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And then when we interact with fellow companies, uh, yeah. fellow startup companies or bootstrap companies, we get a very similar vibe uh, one way or another. Like, you know, yeah. sometimes you can kind of see like, oh, maybe we are onto something doing it this way that we can see uh, where potentially some other companies are 
are not doing it that way. They're not making it fun. They're only thinking about the money. They're not yeah. thinking long term. So you should write a book on that, TK. No one's talking about that. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Maybe we'll do a maybe we'll do a, a live stream one day talking about it because I think it's nice. underestimated. And also, I think you're right. I think it's been tainted because I think a lot of great people are trying to be someone else because they look at these venture capitalists that are like, "Oh man, I got to be yeah. this. I got to be the most aggressive in the room." No, no, no. That's just the type of movie you're watching. The actual, and you guys would be able to speak better than most, which is there's this underground thing of people just doing their thing. And that's where the real interest is. And it's where the most impact is, frankly. I agree, Rock. I think there's something in that topic that maybe once you guys have, you've got to the next level, maybe that's a book that we all need to contribute on, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, absolutely. It reminds me of a conversation that we had with, uh, we're part of an accelerator, uh, proudly part of an accelerator called Tiny Seed. And we were talking through our involvement and how we could contribute and be part of it. And we were having such a great conversation with, uh, with one of the founders, Anar. And we're deep in this conversation. And then at some point, he just kind of turns around and looks at us and was like, well, there needs to be like some money. Like you guys should take some, like we haven't talked about money at all. And it's like, what? Like, that's not what we're here to talk about. In our, like, <laughs> but it was just like, we can't really make an investment without it. And it's like, well, we're interested in what you know. You know, I, I think that's really uh, what we stay focused on. And certainly, you know, money helps and can do a lot of amazing things with it. But it just struck me that that reminded me that it was so, such a funny moment. Zach, I think I, I really thank you for sharing that, both of you sharing that, because I think that is so important. If anyone listening here didn't is not listening to anything else to actually understand that idea that money is the most flippant, easy commodity on the planet. Sometimes in life, we feel it's hard to get, but it, it's abundant. And, and, and when you start looking, you do it. It's the smart money, the right money. And where it comes from. I know we've sold portions of our company, right, just to get someone involved because we wanted access. When you understand the game you're actually playing, to actually be in a relationship and and money almost just becomes that bonding thing, but then never anyone talks about it, right? Because actually we all want the Mm. same thing. It was just, it's a facilitated contract. It's it's a different game you play then, isn't it? I'm sure you guys feel it too. It's it's sort of like, damn, we've got to still make money, right? That's a reality of keeping the lights on, but it's a bonding agent. I, I see sometimes when you're in a new relationship, it's been the craziest part about this experience is that uh, we just continue to think of everything long term, and we're yeah. happy to build relationships to, with the right partners. Uh, we d- we don't pretend like we know everything, but we definitely try to learn everything and and uh, apply it and align ourselves with individuals that seem like a good fit to help us uh, accomplish all the goals and milestones we set. It's really cool, Rock. We were, we were having a discussion group a few weeks ago, and we were talking about this idea of vulnerability and what it what actually. The, the reason for it. And people go, well, I don't try and pretend I, I know something. I don't like what you just said. And, and one of the interesting things we discussed is it's so nice to do that because it allows someone else to contribute. And when you allow them that door, you're actually doing them a favor to contribute and want to be part of it more. And people see it as a weakness. Go, no, no, as soon as you know everything, the person who wants to help you has nowhere to, to, to contribute. So you're just shutting doors on great people, great advice, because no one thinks you're silly by not knowing. What they actually do is appreciate their opportunity to share their life experience. It's like, this is so important. We need to be teaching this, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's also pretty liberating as yeah. a leader though too because I couldn't imagine if, 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 if everything fell on Zach and I to do and granted a majority does, but like if everything needed to be 
made from our brains, our decisions, like that would be overwhelming almost and and not best for the company for sure. It's funny, Rob, we were talking about it and uh, Zach, we were talking about my wife and I were workaholics in our early days and we were just like, you got to do everything, you got to hold everything, you got to help everyone. And we we went to Greece for a trip to take my parents on a trip. So we got a boat to sail around Greece and it was a big thing at the time, right? We'd never all done this and I, I've got a Greek background. And we got on the boat and I never checked that there was Wi-Fi. So we're in the middle of the Aegean. We hadn't set up our business because we were just going to run it off our laptops and then because of the 24-hour yeah. difference, we'll run it. All we had was an intern. <laughs> so we rang them up and said, I'm really sorry, but we literally can't run the company. And we came back and the company grew by 14%. <laughs> <laughs> what what, we, what we realized is from us holding on Get and not allowing way. others to contribute, we lost all their genius and it completely changed our lives from that point because it was like every time we walk into the office, like, how am I in the way? How am I in the way? And it mm. just changed our leadership style. But financially, obviously, the irony of it, it, it changes everything because you can sleep better at night and also others get to learn and grow. And it's, a, it's one, I think, the joys of leadership and, and evolving a company when you have those moments. It, it makes you, I guess, change the filter of your life over every aspect of it. It's so true. It's a great example. And that's one of the things that we have really focused on in the early days, even when we had a smaller team. But as we continue to grow our team is to hire people that are experts. And we don't need to be the person that knows everything in the room. We just got to be the ones that are willing to <laughs> you know, do whatever it takes to put them in the best position, to put the company in the yeah. best position. And I think that's what I love about the the job of being a founder is like, I can do anything and everything, but but the goal is not to, is to put <laughs> other people in the position that they're best capable of, of accomplishing the different goals and initiatives we set. Oh, amazing. What an, what an exciting time. And again, for all our listeners, thank you, um, Brock and Zach, for being so generous with your time today. I'd like to finish with one question, if it would be okay, which is from this experience up to now, what's the thing that's most profoundly changed you? I think for me, it's just, um, I think it's just patience. You know, we want to move fast. We want to we have such ambitious goals for ourselves, for the company, but a lot of it is just doing the work day after day, repeatedly over a long period of time. And so really the only opposition I see with that is is my uh, lack of patience, even though I, I can be a patient person, but like day to day, I'm, I'm not. I'm always thinking of how we can be better, how we can be doing more, how, how things can be uh, improved. And, uh, but really it's just doing the work, chipping away, swinging the axe day after day is where you really make those accomplishments. It's not, it's not overnight. That's really cool. How about you, Zach? I think running towards the bigger problems, the biggest problems, like actively seeking out those opportunities for change, you know, and, and in some ways trying to be a catalyst for change even, I think is, is something that, that strikes me as uh, a practice that we, that we cultivate in our company. I'm a big sci-fi fan. So there's a book by Isaac Asimov called The End of Eternity. And there's a concept in, the, in, that, in that book called the, the MNC, the Minimum Necessary Change, that can actually get you the outcome that you want. So it's like, okay, how can we have like profound impact and change, but with the, just the tiniest little tweak here? Mm -hmm. right? like that's, that's, I think, what's, what's beautiful to me from like an engineering or design perspective the smallest little detail can have a, a profound impact and nudge people in one way or another that can compound over time. I think that's, that's something that I'm, I'm actively practicing on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and to have uh, the opportunities to, to put that into play with Squadcast has just been my life's joy. It's been a lot of fun to work on. And Zach Rock, again, I thank you so much for taking the time to spend with our listeners and 
as I've said before at the start of this podcast, for everyone of our listeners, follow the guys, support the guys. As you can tell, really great people doing something super excited. So do what we can to support them. Definitely use the product. It is brilliant. And that is not a paid endorsement. I'm paying them to use the product and I couldn't be happier. So if that's if that's an endorsement that you're listening to, give it a go. Get on the platform, but equally support the guys in their journey because it's definitely one to watch. Zach Rock, thank you again for being so generous with your time and we look forward to following you with great interest. Thank you, TK. It means the world to us. Yeah, yeah. You really honored us today. Thank you. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you for listening and thank you to Zach and Rock for joining us. Why not connect with them and the Squadcast team via the links below? And if you are in the podcasting space, we couldn't recommend the platform highly enough. Now, as always, if you have enjoyed the episode, please share it on your socials so that others can too. And don't forget to like, follow and leave a review. Have a great week and we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.